Our scripture reading today is Psalm 104, the same text that our children are studying in Sunday school today. It is a wonderfully imaginative text, and so I would encourage you to uh, use your imaginations. Um, picture the glorious creation um, that is being celebrated in this psalm. Hear now the word of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in light as with a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. You set the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers, fire and flame your ministers. You set the earth on its foundations so that it shall never be shaken. You cover it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they flee. At the sound of your thunder, they take to flight. They rose up to the mountains, ran down to the valleys, to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills, giving drink to every wild animal. The wild asses quench their thirst. By the streams, the birds of the air have their habitation. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for your people to use, to bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart, oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen the human heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests. The stork has its home in the fir trees. Again, use your imaginations. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the conies. You have made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows it's time for setting. You make the darkness, and it is night when all the animals of the forest come creeping out. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. People go out to their work and to their labor until the evening. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide, creeping things innumerable are there, living things, both small and great. There go the ships, and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. 
These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. May God bless our understanding and our imaginations. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, I have always loved the Bible. It would be kind of hard to be in this line of work if I did not. But in the past year, my love for biblical literature has escalated. The culprit for this up-leveling of my obsession with scripture is a nonprofit called The Bible Project. The Bible Project is a multimedia company founded by two winsome and charismatic, self-avowed Bible nerds. They partner with artists and technology experts to create podcasts, short films, and even a series of online classes that are as good or better than anything I took in seminary. They approach scripture with a rare and wonderful balance of intellectual rigor and deep faithfulness. They talk about how the Bible, like Jesus himself, is both fully human and fully divine. They acknowledge ambiguities and honor the contexts in which the books of the Bible emerged. They balance a profound respect for Jewish interpretations of the Old Testament, even as they attest that the Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus. A unified story that points to Jesus. I am a fangirl of the whole endeavor. That being said, I was a bit baffled when they announced the theme of their latest uh, series on the podcast, entitled The Chaos Dragon. Really? We're going to spend the next three months studying biblical dragons? It seemed to be a bit of a stretch. In the first episode, the hosts, John and Tim, introduced the Hebrew words, Nahash, Tanin, and Leviathan. Strange words describing creatures many modern readers can't quite categorize. 
All of these words are ways of referring to a monster of the deep, a dragon, a snake. They begin to point to places in scripture where these creatures of the wilderness or sea materialize. Turns out, it is on the first page of scripture when we encounter the snake that slithers into the garden. Over the course of the next 10 episodes, which I have begun listening to the very day they drop, stalking Spotify until they pop up in my playlist, they explore all of the ways these beasts, both animal and sometimes human, are subtly or explicitly hyperlinked throughout scripture. From the giant Goliath felled by David, to the great fish that swallowed Jonah, to the rogue kings that persecuted the Israelites and are described in the text as dragonish. One of my favorite episodes lays some fascinating groundwork for the series. John and Tim trace the prevalence of dragons in the cultural mythologies of several Near Eastern neighbors of the Hebrew people. Turns out, dragon myths were everywhere in these ancient cultures. Indeed, they refer to the phenomenon as the first worldwide meme. You don't need the internet to have a meme. Many of the stories follow the same shape. The dragons are metaphors for chaos, uncertainty, and death. They often emerge from the sea because the sea itself is so fearsome. All those dark and churning waters that threaten to trespass their boundaries and wipe out entire villages. The gods come to the rescue, victoriously slaying the dragons and saving the people from death and drowning until it's time to revisit the ritual the following year. So sometimes, the Old Testament stories of dragons echo these same archetypes. The prophet Isaiah imagines quite the scene when good finally overcomes evil once and for all. A quote from Isaiah. In that day, the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. You can see how it's a little confusing to read these texts without some context. But sometimes the Old Testament throws some serpentine curveballs, perhaps nowhere more explicitly than in today's psalm. Psalm 104 is a celebration of God and the beauty of God's creation. You can just see the psalmist standing on a cliff overlooking a glorious sunrise, heart overflowing with awe at the magnificence of God's creation. The early Protestant reformer John Calvin called creation a theater for God's glory. And the scenes depicted by the psalmist are glorious indeed. 
from the mountains to the mountain goats, from the people to the wine in the people's glasses. Everything in creation was crafted by our infinitely imaginative, infinitely inventive creator. Even Leviathan. Yonder is the sea, great and wide, creeping things innumerable are there, living things both great and small. There go the ships and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. Now this is a twist. Remember, the mythology of dragons that was a meme throughout the ancient Near East generally depicted them as terrifying monsters. Only a fierce and powerful god could challenge their dominance, and even then, the battles could be close. The dragons and the gods were evenly matched, so part of the thrill of the story was the off chance that chaos and evil might actually overtake order and goodness. This is a twist. For in Psalm 104, Leviathan isn't an agent of discord wreaking havoc. Leviathan is playing in the waves. One commentator says that in Psalm 104, Leviathan is like God's rubber ducky. O Lord, my God, you are very great, praise the psalmist. Greater even than the things that terrify us the most. Greater than the literal beasts. And greater than the metaphorical beasts. Greater than chaos. Greater than uncertainty. Greater than death. I don't know what sort of leviathan is lurking in your life, what kind of dragon is prowling around in your soul. I do know that there is nothing under the sun that God cannot redeem, nothing in all creation that God cannot restore. The Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus, so we can face down those dragons with profound trust. Not even death, that final enemy, has a chance. All of creation is a theater of God's glory, and we have glimpsed the finale, the epic ending that is no ending at all but an overture to everlasting life. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord. Amen.